0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Palova. As we approach the National Novel Writing Month, a 50k word writing challenge in November, I will be talking with NaNoWriMo author Brenda Haas. Haas is a multi-award winning author and a freelance writer. She has published books in multiple genres. She resides in Fenton, Michigan, with her husband and cats. At the end of the episode, Has will announce her giveaway. How ma- hi-, hi, Brenda. How are you? I am. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine, too. <laughs> how many times have you participated in NaNoWriMo, and what have you published based on your participation?
1: Well, I've published it. I, I've participated probably close to 10 years. I started in 2012. Um, I have published more books than that, though, um, because sometimes I would get start writing and I didn't get to 50,000 words, so I would write the next book in the series. So.
0: Okay. So today we will be talking about your two books, A Victim of Desperation and A Cursed Witch. First, A Victim of Desperation, which is based on a true story of human trafficking published in May of 2021. Is this a nano book? Yes, (laughs) it is a nano book. It is a nano book. All right. Well, tell us all about it. What inspired it? What inspired it?
1: Um, I would think, I think it was in 2019. I was doing a signing and I was at an area where they had outdoor booths. And it was a two day signing I had to do. Um, And then there was a young lady, a kidney corner from my booth uh, that came back and she introduced herself to me. And she was very outgoing and bubbly and just this wonderful personality. And we just kind of parted ways and I got busy doing other things. But then the next day I thought, I wanna go talk to her. I wanna meet her a little bit better. So I went across to her booth and I looked what she was selling and we started talking. And our topics of conversation just went from one thing to another. And before I knew it, we were talking about human trafficking. And all of a sudden, she looked at me, she goes, well, I was human trafficked. And she just started telling me about what happened to her and how she got into it. And then I had someone come and they wanted me to sign books, so I had to leave. And I kept thinking about her throughout the day. I thought, wow, that's just an amazing story. And, you know, at the end of the day, we kind of parted ways. I went home and for months. Her story just kept resonating within my mind. I thought, oh my gosh, this is a story that has to be told. Maybe it's a story that will stop other people from falling prey to some of these, you know, the people that pray in someone else. And I thought, okay, I've got to try and track down this girl. And I didn't even know her name. I didn't know anything. So I get on Facebook. I kind of remembered, you know, bits and pieces of what she sold or something like that. And I did a search. I found her. <laughs> I noticed it because from a picture she was in. And then um, I sent her on instant message and I said, Hey, can you contact me? I really need to talk to you about something. And I gave her my phone number. Sure enough, she called me and um, we just started talking. I said, Hey, you know what? I, this is driving me nuts. Can I please write your story? She goes, you know, I don't know why I told you that. Even my own ch- children don't know about my treatment trafficking. And I think it's important to remember that human trafficking just isn't about like prostituting a woman. There's, there's so many other types of human trafficking. You've got, um, like slave labor or, or labor that you don't get paid much. You've got um, um, child brides. There's organ harvesting. There's debt bondment. I mean, there's a bunch of different types of human trafficking, not just the sexual, you know, human trafficking. So from there, I just started working with her very closely. I wanted to get her story as accurately as possible. Um, and the book itself reveals two ways that, that she felt prey into human trafficking. Well, one that she fell Fell prey, but the other one was um, she recognized, and she she kind of t- like tried to stop it. So I mean, it's an incredible story. Uh, to me, what comes across more than anything is her perseverance to survive. So it's, it's very enthralling.
0: How long did it take you to write this? Um, I want to say
1: I didn't get a hold of her until. Um, maybe June, sometimes she wasn't very quick to respond to some of my questions, um, or like I'd write a certain part and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if that's accurate. So then I tried to get a hold of her and it took her a little while, sometimes a week to get back with me. So it delayed the writing process somewhat. Um, it was finished in January of 2021, but because of COVID and because I wanted to do book signings with it, I waited to publish it in May, thinking it would be warmer and I could be outside to do the signings. So it took me, I don't know, five weeks. I, I would say it didn't take me long to write it, but the editing and, and perfecting it takes a little bit longer.
0: Okay. What were the major challenges in writing it?
1: Uh, just to make sure it was accurate as possible. Um, and I, I, I wrote it to where I hope I don't give away who they were. I changed all the names and tried to keep everyone, you know, so everyone is as safe as possible. <laughs> I don't ever right. tell... I, in fact, the person that was a victim itself, like the person I was interviewing, I only know her first name. Actually, I don't think it's her first name. I think it's her middle name. So I don't know even know her last name.
0: So it's more like
1: I couldn't give her name
0: away if I wanted to. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the main character, Jessica? Um, Jessica... Um,
1: when she first got into this, I I mean, what she told me about her life was that um, her parents were divorced, her mom had three businesses that she ran. Um, Dad was in a band and he traveled.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. They
1: had a house, there was a housekeeper that came in did laundry every once in a while. Um, Once her older brother moved out and lived with her dad after the parents divorced, um, Jessica was in charge of the house at age 11. One thing I didn't reveal in the book is that she told me her mother used to buy her cigarettes at age 11, mm-hmm. um, and so she basically had to take care of everyone in the house. Um, and then the way the divorce agreement was is that she had to live with her mom five days a week and then was with her dads on weekends. She uh, kind of got mixed up with the wrong guy and got pregnant at 16. Um, she was going into her junior year When she discovered she was pregnant, um, the school she was attending would not let her attend there when she was pregnant. They actually paid to have her go to a different school Mm -hmm. because they didn't want somebody who was pregnant walking around their hallways influencing other girls. Right. So she went to this other school and um, she buckled down. She wanted to get her degree prior to the baby being born. And she doubled up on classes and finished with a 3.8 grade point average so bright bright gal Um, and she walked in her commencement and two days later she gave birth to a baby girl and it's basically her struggle about how she provides for herself and her child and the situation she gets herself into.
0: Did you ever get to talk to her after the book published and what was her reaction to the book? Well to this day she's so busy I I still don't have a copy given to her yet oh. but um,
1: I did I we have talked about getting together for coffee and it's like we just haven't done it um she I did send her the manuscript uncorrected proof basically um and I didn't hear a reaction from her so I hope she's happy with it <laughs> you never know right <laughs> right right I mean I like I said the main reason we did this is is to um stop people from falling victim to the to these people. Um, the way the book starts out is her like now um, she's driving to pick up her daughter from dance class. Okay. And, and she sees a political like a, one of those political signs where they ask you know for everyone for their vote type of thing you know the wire that you push in the ground and it's got like a just a, a, a sign on it and it's written very simply and it's Not very descriptive. It doesn't say the company name. And what it does is um, it says like a a huge hourly amount, no experience necessary, appointment only or something, Texas number. Well, that's actually human trafficking. So she recognizes that and she pulls over and she's staring at the sign when it then goes and reflects back to what she went through when she was 18. Okay. And then at the end of the book, she takes the sign out of the ground and puts it in her car so no one else can see it.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. So like, what is the major message or the major takeaways from this book? What are the major takeaways?
1: Well, first of all, it's to reveal all the different types of human trafficking, the two ty- types that are focused in this book. Um, and then um, just the perseverance that she, would, she, she had as a person and to survive and, and to get through what she had to to get back home to her baby.
0: Okay, let's move to the second book, and that's your newest one, and that's mm-hmm. A Cursed Witch Because Those Who Are Buried Are Not Always Dead, published mm-hmm. in September of 2021. Is this right. an Anno book, too? Uh, yes. Oh, wait, is this? No, it's not. This is okay. not an Anno book. This is one
1: that I wrote this past summer. Um, I've had the um, the thrill and the privilege of being able to afford to go to Edinburgh, Scotland twice. Um, I went in 2016 and 2019. And I, I love the city. It's just, it's like stepping back in time. The architecture is just, it's wonderful on the mile. The, yeah. And it's just, so basically what I learned about when I was over there, was a couple different things. Over there, um, an alley is called a Close. Some alleys go from one street to another, other ones dead end to a residential area. Um, and then I also learned that, learned that the churches over there are called Kirks. And then only a church has a graveyard which is over there called the Kirkyard. So here, even in the States, if you could see a cemetery there's no church with the cemetery. So it's kind of, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. So um, through uh, a friend of mine who, um, posted about this person that it actually happened to her. Her name was Anna Stewart. Um, I said the story was in 1828. Um, What happened in Edinburgh was um, they used to hang the people that were convicted as in public, and then they decided that it was cruel and unusual punishment. So then they quit the hangings. And that's when they started transporting prisoners to Australia. Um, So the problem being, though, <laughs> is that they had a medical college over there that needed cadavers <laughs> to cut up for the students to, to learn from, and they needed actually 90 bodies a year. So now, instead of getting the prisoners that were hung donated to the university, there was no bodies. So Edinburgh, during that time, which is 1828, um, it was an overcrowded city, many of the poor living on the streets, and what happened is the a lot of the the people living on the streets would turn to body snatching or they were known as resurrectionists. And they would go into the cemeteries and they'd dig up bodies and then they would sell them to the university or the college, it was just a college back then to be dissected in the anatomy theater. And they would get eight to 10 pounds per body. So as a deterrent, a lot of these kirkyards have towers where they would have a guard in there and the guard would watch the, cem- the cemetery or kirkyard um, all night to make sure nobody stole the bodies. He was known to work the graveyard shift. <laughs> so a lot of these terms from there is oh something that we have so here. that's
0: where it comes from, yeah. the graveyard shift.
1: The graveyard shit? shift. And then a lot of the people back then, you know, medically they weren't, you know, as advanced as we are now. They couldn't tell if a person was dead or not. So sometimes people would be buried alive.
0: Oh my goodness! Or
1: whatever. So they would give them a bell when they put them in their casket and buried them. And if they woke up, they could ring the bell. They were known as a dead ringer. And then if the guard heard the bell, he could dig them up when they were said to be saved by the bell.
0: And this so is well- true? Yes. This is true. This is a real story. <laughs> yes, that's <it's> unbelievable. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Yeah, so,
1: really yeah. So a lot of the characters in the book are real people that lived back then. Um, I also talk about Burke and Hare, William Bur- Burke and William Hare. Um, William Burke owned a, a boarding house on one of the closest, on Tanner's Close. Um, his neighbor was William um, Burke, and William Hare owned the, did I say it right? <laughs> William Hare owned the boarding house. And what happened was he had like an old military guy that passed away in one of his rooms. So he went to his neighbor, what do I do? And he goes, well, just sell his name to the sell his body to the um the, the the anatomy theater so they did they took it over there and they got the eight to ten twelve ten pounds I guess depending you got how much for body depending on how decayed it was so I'm assuming they must have got the ten pounds because
0: this guy was fresh this guy <laughs> was fresh <laughs> yeah he wasn't oh, wow. decaying that's at all that's <laughs> like fresh vegetables right yeah. <laughs> at your local grocers yeah it's
1: crazy <laughs> so then they got the bright idea of whoa we could kill people and get a profit for this. We can make a living. So they actually killed 16 people before oh. they were caught.
0: The rural has oh.
1: there, their wives turned them in. But I read later that one of the um, medical students recognized one of the, the bodies and they ended up getting caught that way. But uh, ironically in the end, you know they were tried. Dr. Knox was a do- the doctor involved at the anatomy theater. And he was let off and lived the rest of his life in London. And then we had um, William Hare, he was let off, but William Burke was found guilty and he was hung. And ironically, his body was donated to the anatomy theater to be dissected. (laughs) So there's a lot of history in the story itself. So the story rotates around
0: the history of Edinburgh. So it is historical fiction, correct? The genre, yeah. you
1: You could call it that. I like to think it's a romantic suspense romantic suspense. All right. Yeah, because the way the first chapter is, is um, Anna Stewart actually is declared dead. She's only 18 years old. She was buried. And then um, uh, Martin and john, those are the guys true names, they dug her up, and they threw her body on the ground and they went to fill in the hole and she actually sneezed. And it scared them and they ran out of the kirkyard because they didn't want to get caught. So that's how the story starts and that actually is a true event that happened to Anna Stewart. So the whole mystery is like okay who tried to kill her and why? Why is
0: she why was she buried? Oh wow. That's yeah. fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. Well tell us a little bit more about the main character Anna Stewart. Well Anna like I said she
1: was 18 years old buried resurrected and then Uh, my friend wanted me to write a story about a witch. So I did some digging and I found out, this is actually true, that if you were born the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter, you were thought to be cursed and no one would want to be your godparent. So somebody outside of the family would have to volunteer to do that. So I made her the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter, even though I don't think Anna was like that in true life. And then I ended up having the town witch be her godmother she was the one that stepped forward and um so that's kind of she kind of lives with the town witch where nobody bothers her because nobody wants to go there unless um you can't afford a surgeon and or a doctor and then the poor would go to um the witch for healing remedies
0: nice (laughs) plot. i love it oh thank you And what is your nano project for this year? Will you be participating? Yes, I will. I'm
1: doing a a second chance novel. It's a romance novel. Basically, it's about uh, a young lady who knew uh, um, a friend, a guy friend through school. Um, Her dad and her worked in a bookstore. her dad passed away right after graduation. So she didn't get to go to college. Her friend slash boyfriend went to college, came back and they ended up getting married when they were about hmm, 25, 26. And they were only married a year and a day. And then he died in a motorcycle accident. With, so he was like, yeah, he was reaching for the phone as she was texting him. And he ran a red light and some car, T-boned him and he passed away. So it's basically about how he's, um, a ghost that kind of follows her around and kind of watches out for her. And, um, shortly after, um, about a month after she finds out she's pregnant, she ended up conceiving while she was married and, um, she moves back in with their mom and she continues to, um, raise the daughter that she has and she operates the bookstore, but, um, her deceased husband hangs around the bookstore and he's learned he can knock books off the bookshelf and he'll have them fall on their spine and open up to a chapter. And then the heading of that chapter is a message he wants to give her. So it's just, yeah, it's one of those like, almost like a paranoia, I don't don't know, the paranormal. I don't know. Paranormal? Yeah, a little bit like that. But um, eventually the question she's gonna have to answer is, you know, she first, you know, says, I'm not going to love anybody else. This is it. I'm done. And -hmm. then of course this guy walks into her life and she resists at first, but then she gives in. And then, um, the big moral question is, you know, she finds out that this is the guy that was in the accident with her husband. So what does she do? Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm going to work on right now. It's just outlined. I'm just, you know, spending my time doing other things that authors Mm -hmm. do other research. keeping my website up to date, um, doing my email list, you know, <laughs> sending out my monthly email to everybody and you know, things like that.
0: How about your upcoming events? Do you have any events coming up? Oh, yeah. Um, on November
1: 20th I'm going to be at the cause and effect um, gallery here in Fenton. Um, the owner there, Annie, she read um, A Victim of Desperation, and she's doing a a display, I don't know what they call them, an art gallery. A display of um, uh, making violence against women more aware. So, because she read that book, she wants me to do a, 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 a to talk on it and do a signing. So, okay. and then I also have been accepted one of only twenty authors to participate in the third annual Rochester Writers um, Shop Small. I guess at um, Rochester Hills Public Library. Okay. Multi-purpose okay. room. So I have those two events coming up. Um, every once in a while they pop up. So those are the that's two I know bad.
0: that's coming up. That's your normal. Okay. So, Would you like to read to us, Brenda?
1: Oh, sure. I can read to you from *A Victim of Desperation*. Let me see if I where I put my eyes. Gotta <laughs> have my glasses on here. Okay. So *Victim of Desperation*. It is a biography. It's based on a true story. So chapter one is called The Haunting Memory. I glanced at the radio on the dashboard for, for the time and exhaled as I scowled. A delay at work kept me longer than expected. Tightening my grip on the steering wheel, I imagined my daughter pacing in front of the dance studio even though I instructed her to wait safely inside the building until I arrived. After passing a car traveling well below the posted speed limit, I glanced at my speedometer Loosen my ten and two grip on the steering wheel and ease my foot from the gas pedal. The last thing I needed today was a ticket. My mind drifted to my to-do list: call the dentist for cleaning appointments for the five of us, try to reduce the pile of laundry that seemed to magically double in size while I slept at night, uh, and stop at the grocery store to get a few items for dinner. I usually went to the grocery store before 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings to avoid dodging carts and waiting for. An indecisive individual to choose an item while standing in the center of an aisle I cringed assuming I would have to play bumper cars with my cart while gathering what I needed to make dinner was I being purposely delayed throughout my day for some mysterious reason. I was pulled from my thoughts as a sign on the side of the road caught my attention printed in black and white I thought it was a political polit- political sign pleading for anyone's boat, but when I closed. When I was close enough to read it, the goose flesh on my arms began to prickle. The blood drained from my face, my heartbeat increased and my palms became clammy as I read the few words printed on it. It offered an outrageous hourly pay for summer work, even with no experience. Base appointment, base appointment, text for info. The phone number was printed at the bottom. I knew exactly the kind of sign this was. I exhaled not really realizing I had been holding my breath as I lifted my foot from the accelerator and pulled into the closest parking lot on the busy five-lane road lined with retail stores. Bringing my car to a stop, I stared at the two-sided sign as I put my car in park. The sign reminded me of an ad I answered in the newspaper nearly 20 years ago. Are these the same people? How can they still be in business? Haven't they been caught yet? Or maybe this is something even worse, sex trafficking. My imagination kicked into overdrive. How many people have seen this and sent an inquiry text? What if one of my daughters saw this sign and did so without me knowing? I held my hands out before me. They were quivering, shaking uncontrollably as memories of a desperate decision I made long ago rose to the surface from the deep abyss where it had been buried within my mind.
0: Thank you, Brenda. One. Would you like to announce the details of your giveaway? Sure. Um,
1: You can email me at Brenda um, at Brendahasbooks.com. And you can choose which book you would like. I will give away one signed copy of either Victim of Desperation, which is this one, or The Cursed Witch, which is this one. And the first one that emails me will win their choice of book.
0: Yay! All right. Before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavant and Digital Quill Services for Writers, with author Colleen Nye. Brenda, what are your parting shots? What do you want to leave our listeners with? What should well, they for those- remember? <laughs>
1: Well, I think for those who want to do nano, just go for it. I mean, even if you don't reach 50,000 words, you've at least written a lot. You know, Um, it's better than not doing it at all. It's a great charity. You don't have to donate if you don't want to. I usually do. And Mm -hmm. the money goes towards helping children with writing skills. And I think it's a wonderful thing to do.
0: Yeah. And my parting shots are Buy Indie, Read Indie, and Write Indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair, because you too can become a published author. A quick last reminder, don't forget to join us tomorrow, Wednesday, October 20th at 7 p.m. on Zoom for a panel discussion, Power Your Nano 2021 with nano authors Jean Davies, Sarah Shanning, and Christine Bricky. The new Zoom link will be posted on my blog, EmmaPolova.com. Thank you, Brenda, for being on the show. No, well, thanks for having me.
1: It was great.